You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Ashwabanan. Joining me as always is my good <laughs> Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden, the founder over at Brew Hoop. Frank, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing well. We uh, we just decided to uh, wait hold off recording until the end of the Celtics Sixers game, which just went to the Celtics as a rolled into the East Finals with a 4-1 uh, win over Philly. Um, and we're, we were just saying, I mean, I, I, I re- these are probably my two least favorite teams in the NBA. And a lot of that is, like, bitterness. Um, I mean, I lived in Boston for 15 years. I really don't like Boston sports fans, um, even though I'm friends with many of them, um, or many of my friends are Boston sports fans. So and especially the Celtics and Patriots have always like especially disliked. So, yeah. um, you know, just the, you know, and and I and I listen to Bill Simmons a lot, and so it, like you know, just it's just sort of been out of control. Like the Brad Stevens love the, um, you know, just sort of the like oh everything's gravy, you know, like they're playing with house money at this point. So there's there's really like they could I mean they could just get crushed in the next round and no one's going to say anything bad about this year's Celtics season. So that is fundamentally is disappointing <laughs> at this point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was weird because I'm also like very um, kind of jealous of the Sixers becoming really good and obviously eclipsing the Bucks at this point. So I'm also like bitter about that. And I've rooted against the, Celt- uh, the Sixers for some time, but it was weird. Like when we got into the series, I immediately found myself rooting for the Sixers, which I, I don't. I did not necessarily expect what happened, and I don't know. I don't even know why that is. To be honest, um, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think it's because the Bucks lost to the Celtics, but because I mean, in, in some ways, like the Celtics winning sort of weirdly kind of validates the Bucks in in a way. I mean, I don't. I don't really buy into that a lot, mm-hmm. but um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really necessarily expect to to see it go this way, and maybe part of it is not so much that the Bucks lost to the Celtics, but like I developed sort of a negative attitude and negative feelings towards a lot of the Celtics players in the last round. So, yeah. like, I'm feeling more negative and stronger dislike of those guys versus, you know, I'm sure if they Bucks had played the Sixers, I would have probably felt kind of developed negative feelings toward toward many Sixers. So, so yeah, it's, I don't know. That's the weird thing about being a basketball fan. You kind of – or a sports fan, you just sort of randomly latch on to one team or another, even if, you know, in this case, like, I really – don't have any positive feelings sort either and and now i'm kind of wondering like am i going to be less of an anti-sixers person because i spent you know a few days of my time sort of rooting for them i, I don't know it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing but um i think either way um you know obviously i think these two teams are are 
the future of the Eastern Conference and the Bucks obviously have their work cut out for them. So um, maybe maybe a little fitting that that you know we kind of uh, use use them as as the starting point for tonight's podcast. Not that we're talking about you know the next five years in the Eastern Conference necessarily as our as our podcast topic, but um, it does sort of show the bar is is raised is being raised and. Um, I guess Philly ended up actually being very disappointing after kind of the way things had been going, but um, clearly the future very bright for both these teams is they've got a lot of young talent. Celtics have injured stars coming back, and the Sixers have um, you know a couple of just ridiculous young talents who are going to continue to get better, and, and they have obviously more assets kind of waiting in the wings as well. And I mean, hell, maybe maybe the first overall pick will play next year. You know, that, that'd be that would something. Be a good thing for them too. So yeah, I don't know what what was your what was your feeling watching it? I guess it probably just coincides with all this talk about Mike Budenholzer. Um, but man, this really felt like we were set up for Al Horford is actually really good and stop disrespecting him. And that did not happen. Instead, it's just been like, Brad Stevens is a god. And it's like, well... Al Horford played, I mean, played Giannis even in that series, if not outplayed him. And he outplayed Embiid in this series. And it's just like, can we not always talk about players like they're just trash and these coaches are gods? Like, I I was talking about it this morning. Like, the Mike Budenholzer 60 win Hawks teams, it's just like, oh my gosh, what an amazing coaching job. And Al Horford was really good at the time. Paul Millsap? Also very good at the time. Kyle Korver, he's been very good at his specific jobs for the entire time. And Damari Carroll didn't actively get worse as a basketball player for really any reason in my mind other than destroying both of his legs. Like, it's just strange that that's always the thing that we want to go to. Like, oh, it's got to be it's got to be the coach. Like, the Celtics are good. Like, they have good players. Like, I watched Jason Tatum play these two series. I'm convinced he's a good NBA scorer. And again, at times, it's inefficient. Got it. Same thing with Jalen Brown. But those two dudes are very talented. Al Horford, very good basketball player. Terry Rozier, despite being in a backup role for most of the season, he might be able to go somewhere else and start at point guard. He seems that good to me. And uh, I don't know. Like, I guess there's some level of disappointment in all of this in that the narrative became Brad Stevens as a god rather than, okay, maybe we should give these guys some credit for being good basketball players. Like, that that to me just is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because there were definitely times during the, the Celtics-Bucks series where I kind of had to pause and say, like, well, we take it for granted the Bucks are more talented than the Celtics, but um, it, it's more nuanced than just, you know, every buck is better than every Celtic in their sort of slot of goodness. You know, like the the best buck is better than the best Celtic. I certainly agree with that. But as you kind of go down the line, I mean, clearly the Celtics um, have shown better depth and gotten better contributions sort of down the line than, than a team like the Bucks has. But I think, you know, again, the, the really- argument with the Bucks for Celtics is really just the, it's the, the top heaviness of, of the Bucks roster. But Which, also, it wasn't top heavy in that series. Like Eric Bledsoe was trash for the series. So that well, the, but Giannis and Chris were like arguably. I mean, you could make a case that even Chris was the second best player in that series, right? I mean, Horford was really sure. good. Giannis was maybe not like, you know, LeBron level craziness, but whatever. 
that's that's okay. But you know, but you um, can at least then give the Celtics two of the positions of the starting five, right? You can probably yeah, give the sure. all three. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, other. They, yeah they, I mean, absolutely. They have, they have. I mean, they have talent. Like it's not, you know, again, like this. This isn't like, you know, the bad news bears or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Al Horford's really good, and and obviously other guys have stepped up. I mean, would I trust? Like, I know there's a little bit of talk on Twitter, and someone tweeted at us asking about Terry Rozier and you know his next contract. And I think I feel like I've heard a lot of people reference Terry Rozier as though he's going to be a free agent this summer. And I mean, he's not; he's only in his third year, um, so he's going to be extension eligible, and then he'll be free agent uh, if he isn't signed to an extension in 2019 as an RFA. So it's about um, how much Danny wants to pay him, not how much you would pay him. Yeah, and and again, uh, the other question obviously is like, well, you I mean you could trade for him? Sure, but I mean, Rozier had a had a, a much better year this year. He improved a lot, but like you're not looking at Terry Rozier regular season Terry Rozier this year and saying I'm going to go give up like you know a lottery pick or something to yeah. get this guy, and then a year later have to pay him a ton of money. That uh, he's not that kind of guy. And again, I mean, I think he has the profile to be a good player moving forward. He did improve his three-point shot a lot this year. Um, you know, he has good athleticism, good defensive tools, all that stuff. But, you know, you don't... I mean, he's not, like, the kind of guy you're going to, like, necessarily trust unconditionally. <laughs> and, you know, again, he's he's a guy who I think very easily, like, a team could, could trade for him, give up a bunch of stuff, and then he goes to that new situation and, you know, he's, like, the 20th best point guard in the league or, you know, like, the, in the 20s or something like that, right? He's just kind of in that blob of, like, yeah, he's fine, you know, like streaky, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and again, like, you know, there there certainly has been, you know, again, returning to that theme of role players being better under good coaches, that's a recurring theme we've seen under Brad Stevens um, and, and in general under good coaches. And um, certainly with Rozier, it's like not only is this sort of like, well, is this sort of like playing on a good team with, you know, a good team um, concept and good coaching that's sort of elevating him but also I mean again this is also small sample size like we're talking yep. basically like I don't know what three weeks of him playing at a super high level and he, he's obviously had good games this season but he hasn't played like this consistently so it's an interesting <laughs> spot and I agree I mean I'm, I'm really interested to see what the Celtics do because um, you know again all these teams that, that are very young whether it's the Sixers uh, or the Celtics. I mean, they've got you know they've done a great job assembling talent on rookie contracts, getting those guys to be contributors, and you know doing what really the Bucks haven't. Right. I mean, that's really the difference mm-hmm. between the Bucks and Celtics. I mean, the Celtics and Sixers both acquired a bunch of extra picks over the years um, through very shrewd uh, executive work from first Sam Hinkie um, and well, not really Brian Colangelo. He's kind of been using up those assets here, <laughs> but. Um, mainly through Hinkies, you know, and, and the tanking of, of yesteryear in, in Philly. And then, I mean, Danny Ainge acquiring picks left and right even this past year. I mean, swindling uh, a, basically a lottery pick from Philly in order to take a guy who, I mean, you know, is anybody tra- trading Markel Fultz for, you know, is anybody preferring Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum at this not point? Not at the moment, no. Yeah, not right now. I mean, again, who knows what happens with Fultz, but um, certainly – one of the most disastrous rookie years of any first overall pick ever. I mean, I don't care if he came back and had a triple double in a garbage game, you know, final game of the season against the Bucks. Like he was a massive disappointment this year, and we'll see what you know what kind of comes next because he didn't play here in the, the series at all. So, um, so yeah, it, it's been interesting because they've obviously built up lots of assets, they've drafted lots of young players. Those guys have turned into contributors. Um, so, you know, what do the Celtics do with 
first Marcus Smart this summer, then Rozier potentially extension eligible. I know you know Bill Simmons has sort of said they have to more or less more or less pick between those guys, um, and and obviously you know again I mean with with Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward coming back, um, you know do you start Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the two through four spots? I mean. You could certainly, um, but uh, again, that you know, it's a little bit different lineup. And uh, again, kind of from a balancing standpoint, I'd be curious. Maybe you know, probably from a balancing standpoint, it's probably better if you brought one of those guys off the bench to stagger. But um, you know, those are the kind of problems that uh, that you love to have. So it's going to be fun. You know, it's kind of watching these teams kind of go at it and develop, um, and seeing how much more upside the Celtics going to have. You know, because obviously this year there's kind of been very little pressure since sort of the Hayward injury um, and certainly very little pressure since since Kyrie was hurt but um, I don't know it's going to be fun to watch them and, and they're going to have to make some decisions and then the Sixers with you know eventually they're going to have that they have this this summer with lots of cap space and then um, you know eventually they're going to have to figure out what they're doing with with you know a guy like Saric um, and and really I mean it's interesting because they got such a bump from Ilyasova and Bellinelli sort mm. of this this spring you know, okay, well, we gave those guys minimum contracts. It's going to buy out guys. Um, I don't know if either of those guys comes back this summer. Um, and kind of how do you kind of fill in some of those gaps? And obviously they're, they're, they're both streaky, but um, you can't underestimate, especially with when Embiid was out, they got on a crazy run in part because some of those role players. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this evolves because I think both teams are going to continue to have to evolve and look pretty different in the next couple of years than than what they looked like you know this year and, and in the series yeah and i mean like that sixers team it was to me essentially like kind of two different teams like there was the the bellinelli ready gun it up squad and then there was the let's use Embiid as the offensive hub squad and you were trying to like kind of merge them both in the playoffs and it it just never felt like it was quite right like they they struggled through that heat series and then i just thought it was readily apparent in this boston Celtics series that they just weren't like a cohesive unit um just because they had kind of learned how to deal with not having Embiid and then Embiid came back and they just didn't I don't think have enough time to kind of put it all back together and sort of refigure themselves out if that makes any sense and in Boston I think what's really interesting there is I think a lot of times you get to see guys step up when a void is created like Hayward goes out Irving goes out and those guys get a chance to take more shots than they probably should. Like uh, I think you look at some of the uglier games that Tatum or Brown had in the first rounds, and you're like, well, yeah, you know, they had to take some shots, so they missed some. So the hope is always, okay, they have a, a more defined role. It's a little bit smaller role, and all of the good things that they had will stay, and you're just moving you're just removing the excess fat, right? Like some of those missed shots, some of those four shots and everything should work. But sometimes what happens is they're not getting the good shots anymore because those good shots need to go to Hayward or they need to go to Irving. And then the only shots you're getting are still the four shots. And I think Tatum and Brown both have games that can fit into a larger cohesive system and you have a good coach and Brad Stevens. So like it should all work out, but you know, there's always those questions like how, how does all that work out? And that's not even mentioning a guy like Terry Rozier who got the chance to step up 
largely, I mean, because Irving was out. So um, what they look like and how it all fits together, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch in Boston uh, in these coming years. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and I, I think we should ask, too. I mean, we, we kind of we didn't really talk about it directly yesterday when we were talking about Dwayne Casey and the Raptors and sort of what decisions have to be made there. I mean, we kind of focused more on, you know, do you wait and see what LeBron does since LeBron has just, you know, literally owned uh, Toronto here the last few years. But um, probably the other big issue for Toronto in in terms of figuring out what they want to do, and there's been a little bit of noise today that the, you know, Raptors might lean in the direction of of going in a different direction (laughs) with, uh, with their head coaching job. Um, the other obvious thing is like, okay, well, uh, even if LeBron leaves, um, I mean, the Cavs are not going to be the favorite to certainly finish as a top seed in the East. Even if he comes back, we, we know that's probably not going to happen just given how these last few years have gone. But um, even if LeBron is gone, I mean, uh, if you're Toronto, like, how are you actually feeling about your chances to keep up with a full-strength Celtics team, a full-strength and developing Sixers team? I mean, that's that's a pretty scary thing. And Again, it's a long way from 59 wins to like a full rebuild, and I still don't feel like that's going to happen. I still feel like they run it back and just sort of see see what happens. And, and again, maybe they do tweak around the edges, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting time in the East. And certainly, if, if you're a Bucks fan, like presumably everybody who's listening to us talk right now, um, it's going to be very interesting to see just sort of how the trajectory of these various teams sort of track over the off season. And um, you know, again, I probably hard to imagine toronto matching their regular season next year um just because again like potentially new coach and um a lot of things falling exactly right uh this season and DeRozan and lowry obviously getting older next year but um interesting because obviously the sixers and and celtics are are in the ascendancy and and then you've got you know the Bucks who want to be in that grouping of, of teams that are on the rise, and then you've got a lot of other teams like you know Washington, Indiana, Miami, which I, I don't know where they're I don't know where they're going to go. Indiana maybe has some cap money that that they might be able to spend. Maybe they do something this summer, but um, I don't really know where those teams go. You know, like they're kind of they could be better than they were this year, but are they really going to threaten for you know an Eastern Conference championship? Probably not. So. Um, it's kind of an interesting, interesting to look at the East because it seems like the top teams are, are probably going to get better, with the exception of Toronto, and uh, and then there's a whole mess of other teams in that kind of doughy middle that that it's kind of anybody's guess. You know, Detroit getting rid of Stan Van Gundy. What what are the Pistons going to look like next year? You know, who knows? I, I really don't know. Um, I'm not that concerned. And Charlotte, maybe if they with hiring James Borrego. I mean, are they going to maybe do more of a rebuild with Mitch Kupchak coming in as well? That obviously will be interesting to watch. Um, certainly, lots of Bucks fans have liked to speculate about Kemba Walker. Um, so, so yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of well. While I've been droning on here, I mean, so one question: where where do you put the? I mean, obviously, there's there's going to be there's going to be a lot of movement this summer. But like right now, we have the conference final set in both conference. Um, let's assume LeBron comes back to Cleveland, just for argument's sake. Where do you put the Bucks coming out of all this? Let, and let's assume they, you know, they they pick a. I don't know if you want to. Let's let's say they pick they get Mike Budenholzer as their coach. Again, just for argument's sake, where where do you where would you project the Bucks at this point in the Eastern Conference? Fourth, they're going to be above the Raptors. The other three teams that are above them stay where they are. 
in some order. I don't know exactly where they'll be, but Boston, Philly, Cleveland would be above them. I think they hop the Raptors because the Raptors just move some things around slightly and don't have the exact same uh, kind of stuff happen for them this year where they had the chemistry and continuity that got them to that spot. Um, so I'll say fourth. How about you? I think that's pretty safe. Um, you know, again, I think there's always there's always opportunities to to overachieve, and you never know, especially with Philly. I mean, you never know if there's you know the Embiid injury comes, something like that. Um, you know, you kind of never know how these things will shake up. And and again, who knows, right? I mean, I, I, Philly was so interesting because I mean they looked so good for the end of the regular season and in that most of that first round. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the demons that sort of kept them from reaching sort of those heights earlier in the season, um, kind of cropped up. Just bad turnovers, lack of execution. Just I don't know. I mean, they looked like basically the team that we probably would have expected at the beginning <laughs> beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little weird to kind of figure out what that means. Is that just you know were they kind of just lucky to to sort of have that month stretch where they just went nuts against kind of a weak schedule um Simmons obviously looking far more mortal in this series and be um putting up some numbers but certainly you know not dominating in the way that, that maybe we would have expected um yeah it's it's kind of interesting and they sort of looked at the end probably more like we would have expected but obviously the fact that they you know s- had that bad end in the second round I think still obviously qualifies this as a huge successful hugely successful season for them so um you know obviously they they will not like the way they went out and be really you know, blowing some chances late. And I saw a stat that he was 0 for 8 on like, what was it? Clutch shots. shots you know, clutch shots really late in games that could win it or, or tie it or whatever it was. Um, which, you know, is interesting. It's probably just some bad luck in there. But um, uh, again, uh, uh, certainly both teams will be, I think, fun to watch. And obviously, uh, as you said, Bucks with their work cut out. Yeah, we'll have to kind of see what direction they they go in and what coach they hire and kind of how all of that works out um as we're podcasting here a little bit of breaking news and i don't even know that this would qualify as breaking news um but rick carlisle released a statement rumors that i have interest in the milwaukee bucks job are completely inaccurate I work for Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks. And that was tweeted out by a number of NBA reporters uh, who all would have obviously got uh, the exact same message. Uh, That was in reply to a Gary Wolfel report in which Gary said that... um, I don't even know what it was at this point. Rick Carlisle is very interested in the Bucks' position. Um... I'm trying. To, was there anything more than that? I know there's been a bunch of other reports he's had um, in the last couple of days as well, but I believe that was that was the big one. That was the way it was phrased for Rick Carlisle. Um, so that comes out, and yeah, that uh, appears to be something that won't happen. Um, I believe Rick Carlisle's contract had another four years on it. I I, I need to double check on that. Um, and maybe I can do that here as you talk, Frank. But um, Rick Carlisle, not going to be the next coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, Frank. Reaction? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I never really – I don't even know if we really talked about it. Um, 
I know. I, Gary, I don't know. I don't know why we wouldn't talk about it. It seems like you know <laughs> maybe. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gary had sort of floated it. I think Gary had floated this for a while. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you know, um, nobody else is sort of saying this, and he's under contract, and you know, as you tweeted at a couple people who asked about it today, um, you know, what does what does Dallas ask in return for allowing another team to steal away Rick Carlisle? I would say Carlisle probably... had signed a new five-year deal in the $35 million range in November of 2015, which means he, he would have had a, a few more years left on that. Um, it made him the league's highest-paid coach at the time. Um, and then also, um, yeah, that was, that was it. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, clearly, and then, uh, like so the and the new year and the new five year deal will take effect in twenty seventeen eighteen. So he actually had four years left on that deal, uh, as that deal would take him through the twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two season. Yeah. So I mean, again, it just sort of gets the idea. I mean, it, in the NBA, I mean, and we said that remember a year ago we talked about like everybody wanting to go steal away other teams' top GMs. I mean, if they're under contract, that's that's pretty hard to do and. Great GMs tend to be tend to be under contract. Um, funny how that works. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't think it's necessarily a surprise. I mean, I, again, should, should I say something I, about I, Greg Popovich think- being interested in the Bucks job? So, if see if we can get a statement out of the Spurs, or <laughs> do you think that would be irresponsible? <laughs> I know you wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. So again, um, I mean, and who knows, right? Like m- maybe. Maybe in his heart of hearts, Rick Carlisle would be interested on some level. But, you know, again, is Rick Carlisle at this point? I mean, it's I get he probably doesn't isn't thrilled with leading a rebuild. And, you know, it's kind of a weird situation now with them, with Dirk and his twilight. And um, they have some young players, but obviously they're, you know, kind of in that weird in-between range uh, in general. Um, but again, like, you know, are you going to extract Rick Carlisle uh, from, how from much? How job? much do you think it would have taken? Um, I, two firsts. Well, I'm, I'm sure they'd ask for multiple firsts, and of course, like you'd never give that up. I mean, I think we both agreed like we wouldn't give up any first round pick for for Rick Carlisle, especially with the Bucks already down a first round pick. Um, so again, like I think Rick Carlisle's a great coach. If if they were all free agents, I would probably say Rick Carlisle's probably the coach I would trust the most. I would consider sort of the the highest expected value over you know Budenholzer and Clifford and yeah. you know whichever assistants you like the most. But he's not. So that's it. <laughs> um, all right. So Buck's coaching search down uh, a man after some scuttlebutt that he would have been uh, available. By the way, can, can we talk about some other hashtag scuttlebutt that I absolutely found keep, keep going. Um, so I, I, I heard on, uh, I think it was the Bill Michael show. Uh, Gary was on and um, <laughs> I, this really took me back. It was, so it was the question from Bill Michaels was why hasn't Joe Prenti been fired? And you know we've talked about this. It's because Joe Prenti is you know again I think it's anomaly because the Bucks are trying to manage the optics for Pride Joe Prenti to get him as soft a landing as possible. So they're they are interviewing him, blah blah blah. He's not going to get the job, but they're you know trying to make it look okay for him on the way out. Um, and Gary's angle was this is really bad because you know they're effectively something to the effect of like they're jerking him around and if 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 joe prunty had interviewed for the charlotte and phoenix jobs he would have gotten one of them that was the claim oh wow that was was the claim so 
I was like listening to this and my kind of my jaw just sort of hit the ground because it's like first off, I don't know what's like crazier, like thinking that Joe Prunty would have gotten another head coaching job this summer. Or and again, I think like Joe Prunty's been kind of like raked over the coals, probably unnecessarily to a large extent. But like nobody in the league is clamoring for Joe Prunty right now. Okay, like nobody in the league is clamoring for Joe Prunty right now, right? Even um, even if this hypothetical was something that's real, and I wish you could see me just like rubbing my face and temple right now <laughs> as I'm going through this. Even if this hypothetical was a real thing, and Joe Prunty was aware that he could be the coach of either of those teams if he interviewed, why wouldn't he do so? That's exactly the other like, see, Just the He other would just go it. do it. Like he, he doesn't need to interview for this job. It is not in his contract that says, you cannot go anywhere until you interview for this job that you're probably not going to get. He could just go do it. He could do yeah, it. Exactly. He's a exactly. human being that has free will. It's not difficult. Yeah, do you think like are I, that's the, that's kind of the crazier part? Like, are we implying that the Bucks are holding Joe Prunty hostage, or are we implying that Joe Prunty is so dumb that he is not interviewing for other? He's not even considering interviewing for other jobs, even as a leveraging thing, because he somehow believes that he's going to get the Bucks head coaching job. Like, either you think Joe Prunty is the biggest moron on earth. Or you think the Bucks are just like literally the meanest group of people in the world? If they're preventing Joe, they haven't let what they haven't let him out of the coach's office. Like they bring his food to him, they have him locked. They have security guards at the door. Can't leave. No cell phone use either, Joe. You're not going anywhere until you interview for this job. Like what? What? Oh my god! I'm actually I'm I'm happy I didn't hear that. Um, I mean, the Bucks let their GM just leave a year ago and. Granted, I don't think they were heartbroken over it, but yeah. like he, he actually was still under contract, like was not like imminently going to be fired, and they just let him leave. Um, so again, they had the idea that Joe Prenti was going to go and get another job this summer. Um, I I just thought that was just uh, completely. You know what? While we're on scuttlebutt, um, <laughs> the the two. Do you ca- want to talk about yeah, uh, yeah, about yeah. also that multiple teams are going to give Jabari Parker twenty plus million dollar offers? <laughs> You want to talk about that scuttlebutt? We don't need to talk about that scuttlebutt okay. today. Uh, we'll, That's we'll, not my scuttlebutt, by the way. To be very clear, <laughs> that is that is from the same source as the other stuff. Um, we can talk about that scuttlebutt when that scuttlebutt needs to be talked about. For now, we're on uh, coach scuttlebutt. Um, this is sort of a Jabari free zone for like a week, right? Yeah, and we're going to just yeah. like freaking bash our heads against that for like a m- month and a half probably, I assume. Yeah, right? it's, I mean, it's probably going to be an extended version of what we're doing right now. But um, the other scuttlebutt of the day, uh, the Bucks are not interested in the assistance for the two teams that have gone to the last three NBA Finals. The Cleveland oh, Cavaliers yes. Gary also tweeted about that. and the Golden you, you State had, Warriors. Which read the tweet, read the tweet that, that, that started this because I thought you had the funniest response to it. <laughs> I'm like exhausting you. Just like all right. So scuttlebutt today. Bucks have reached out to every Spurs coach not named Popovich, but have yet to interview any assistant coach for Cleveland or Golden State, which have been in the finals the last three years. Bucks owners should hire a search firm for a coaching search committee. All right. So. My response to that was a quote tweet. 
that says, funny enough, they may not need to actually interview the Cavaliers' lead assistants to learn about them. Larry Drew and Jim Boylan have each already coached the Bucks. So those are the two lead assistants in Cleveland. The two lead assistants in Golden State, Mike Brown and Ron Adams. Ron Adams has already said he will not be a head coach in the NBA. Yeah, he's, like 80, he's like 80 years old. Everybody loves Ron Adams. He's not going anywhere. He, he's, he's already said, I'm not interested in head coaching interviews. So don't think you could get an interview with him. I mean, shame on the Bucks for not trying, but I don't think you could have got an interview with him. Mike Brown is Mike Brown. Um, I'm, like, I'm not sure what else to say. And Mike Brown is waiting to become Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers coach for the third time uh, next year when LeBron leaves and they fire Teron Lue, right? Like, that's, that's Mike Brown's destiny. Like, every few years, he becomes he the Cavaliers back. head coach. Well, and then he, he, run, he, keep, and then he yeah he keeps back. the money until he needs it again, and then he gets hired again. Then he banks Dan Gilbert's money. Yeah, correct. Exactly. So I believe that's the goal there. So my guess is, if I had a guess, um, the scuttlebutt is the best candidate there would be Nick Uren, which I'm sure is just a guy that that Mr. Wolfel loves. Um, you know, the the young assistant, really into analytics, the guy that came up with the idea for starting Iguodala in the finals and, you know, switching around the whole narrative of that final series. I would assume that's the guy he was talking about because surely he must know that the lead assistants of those two teams are those four guys we already mentioned, right? And Nick Nick Uren is like, uh, he's like basically uh, Steve Kerr's like, uh, personal assistant, right? That's like his role. He's not an he's not an assistant coach, right? Yes, he he would have been uh, the Josh Brogheimer of a few years, like not the Josh Brogheimer that's on the bench, like the Josh Brogheimer before he got on the bench. That like would embryonic, be... like embryonic twelve year old Josh. Isn't it Josh Brohammer? Isn't that how it's pronounced? Is it pronounced that? I was thought, I, I thought the G was actually pronounced. I I think it's Brohammer because I could have sworn like Sophia Minert called him that like when she would interview him and stuff i i have that in my brain uh, that i really it's, thought the it's g like was a pronounced. silent okay g. that's fine um but anyway he's you know he's like way younger than either of us so i think we can mispronounce his name and not feel too bad even though he is an assistant coach in the nba but yeah he i, uh, I assume it was nick uren right like i i, I guess yeah. gary's a big nick uren fan yeah, oh, huge huge nick uren fan i'm sure that's that. So that'd be my guess. Um, so I think that's the scuttlebutt report for the day. Um, I'm not really don't sure. Don't forget. Don't forget about Damon Jones. He's a he's an assistant uh, yep, coach. That, the, you uh, know, that was that was probably it. That yep. that was probably it. Um, all right. That was the scuttlebutt report for the day. Um, I, I can't believe we just had to have breaking news on the podcast because of some scuttlebutt. But that's okay. It, it just happened, and that's fine. Um, and we'll keep it moving. Uh, no word on who the interview was for today for the Bucks. Um, obviously, they have about seven or eight candidates that you you need to go through and kind of figure out exactly where uh, where they'll be going, and you know all the guys that they need to get in yet um, as they attempt to figure that out. But uh, the coaching search will continue. Um, anything else you want to say for today, Frank? Um, I, I mean, I kind of like I tweeted out a poll, but I also might just let that run, and we can talk about it tomorrow. I, I feel pretty good about this episode. How about you? Yeah, um, I mean, it's funny. We're you know the whole idea of the Lockdown Podcast Network is that 
these should be like shorter, like sub thirty minute podcast. <laughs> and we're like the um, we're the I don't bad know, boys. I don't, we're the bad we're like, boys of like, the network. Yeah, we never do that. <laughs> we're like a jam band that just like goes on and just like you know just four hours of like you know jazz odyssey like you know we don't even know if anybody's listening by the end but we just keep going um so so yeah we we don't we we don't like set out to record an hour every day we actually um, set somehow, out to do the opposite every yeah single set, day. somehow somehow it just happens um and again it looks like we're actually going to be under 40 minutes today which again i don't i'm always curious if if people like shorter or longer we should probably run a poll at some point and just see like what What's the sweet spot for people? Did I, uh, I, I told you my dad has a, a strong opinion on this, right? I think you have, but I don't remember what he said. So he, I can't even remember the one. So he started listening to Lockdown Bucks this year, and I, I remember the one day. This year, he didn't listen to us last year. He he got a new iPad and the whole thing. Like just just let it be. So um, he, he was <laughs> sorry, Mister Name. <laughs> <laughs> so he gra- he uh, he texted me and he was just like, "What you guys? G- I think we did like a fifty-five minute one. It might even been an hour one." He was like, "Way too long today," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he was just like, "The podcast was too long. Forty minutes is a sweet spot. I don't want to listen any longer than that." And I was like, "All right, I, you got a busy schedule. You gotta get. You gotta get. I got it." Sounds good. So 40 minutes is a sweet spot. I think we're right in uh, the 40-minute range right now. All right. So we've, we've made your dad happy for, like, the first time in months. <laughs> yes. He's been very disappointed for the last long while. Um, but that's okay. Well, he, he's used to being disappointed. Like, you know, that's fine. Uh, all right. That's going to be it for us for today. For Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been a very short version of Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.